0: Love-soaked family photography, that is what we're gonna be talking about today. As photographers, we have the incredible opportunity to document families, the most important thing in our lives, and really the most important thing in the entire world. Family units are so sacred, joyful, vulnerable, scary, and honestly, they make up so much of who we are as people and shape the stories of our lives. So when we are given the privilege of photographing a family, it's so, so important that we allow them to truly be seen. That we document who they are and what they are no matter what. We can take our story, our experiences, and use those to show the families that we photograph their unique beauty and hopefully create images that they'll look back on and feel so much emotion for because those images will represent who they truly are. So, if you are someone who wants to know how to capture these emotional, honest, and beautiful moments within the families you photograph in your own special way, then this episode is for you. Welcome to the Fill Your Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Golding. I was a young mama and full-time teacher when I first picked up my camera and started down the path of creating a highly successful and sought-after photography business. I managed to turn that side hustle into a full-time job that sustains a balanced life where I can give more to my five littles at home. After building this business for the last 10 years, I want to invite you into a space where you can take a peek behind the scenes of my camera-ready life. Join in weekly where I will open up discussions with other creative artists turn business pros as we share real life strategies, stories, and action steps for you to turn your passion into profits. Lean in because we're about to get the show started. Remember, you can subscribe to today's show on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Audible. I'm so happy to bring you today's episode about love-soaked family photography with our special guest, Brooke Schultz. Brooke is a wild-hearted family photographer and artist based in Southern California and Utah. She helps women live their most wildly creative lives in art and in business. She'll never be able to go a day without hugging someone or singing, and her work has been featured in Oprah, Martha Stewart, and blah, 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 as she says. But what Brooke really cares about is what she's creating in the name of love. In the hard, hard work of not only feeling love, anyone can do that, but choosing love within the four walls of her family every day, silently with no one else there to witness because those battles and wins, those are her reasons for creating and the most excruciating and gloriously joyful experiences on the planet. Brooke has been so, so kind to give us a free audio training, how to prep your clients for a lifestyle family session, and her exact family questionnaire that she uses, and you can find those in the show notes. Let's welcome Brooke to the show.
1: Hi, Jillian. Oh my gosh, so excited to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to have you on. I am, yes, i am just
0: been so thrilled. I'm so happy that I finally asked you and we were able to schedule this so
1: that we can chat
0: all about love-soaked family photography. It's going to be such an exciting episode and so much to share.
1: But I wanted to go real quick and talk about how we first met. Do you remember? Well, we were talking about this. We couldn't quite figure out if it was either at Photo Native five or six years ago or at Jan Palmer's workshop at the Oregon Coast that same... I thought it was the same year. But yeah, so one of those two places we met, but it yeah. just feels like we've been friends for so long now. We're like, how, wait, what?
0: <laughs> what? I know. Well, and we both have had several children since then. So I feel like that kind of like makes our brains not remember seriously. But I do have to say one of the things that I love and remember distinctly when I first met you and, you know, we've known each other for several years now, but was just your like happy and joyful like aura that you had. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast too, is just obviously I, I love you as a person and love being around you. And I think that that joyful and happy aura that you, you have within yourself also shows in your work and your photography. And so that's why I wanted to chat today. Like when you mentioned you know, let's talk about, you know, a few different things we talked about. And then once you said like love soaked family photography, I was like, yes, that's the one for sure. That's what we need to talk about because that's just how I see you is like joyful and love soaked and happy. So, I mean, you know, I, I remember feeling that way years ago when we met, so it really made a good impression on me.
1: Well, that puts a big smile on my face. And I think it's also hilarious because I am an Enneagram four, which is like a classic, Tortured artist. (laughs) So I feel like I have so much just roller coaster of emotion in me all the time. So if anybody's listening and is like, well, that sounds great for you that you're happy all the time, that it's not the case. And you can, I really feel like you can use any emotional life can be utilized for good creativity. So,
0: yes. And we're going to chat about that for sure. And then you did photograph my family too, which was super fun back in the day when we only had three kids and things were, you know nice and easy (laughs) yeah you're like easy
1: life three kids
0: (laughs) and I was doing the math between you and I we have nine children which is really wild
1: yes we are just yeah we're repopulating the earth just you and me we got it we got this Seriously,
0: some days I'm like, holy cow, what did I do? Love them all. But it's just a lot, right? Especially when you're running a business. But that's for another episode. Okay, so first, so you know, listeners might not know you. So can you kind of give an introduction of like yourself and how you got into photography? Just that kind of a thing?
1: Of course. So I actually started in photography in high school with, I told a family friend that I wished I could color for a living. And she was like, you can help me do Photoshop. This was before adult coloring books, by the way, that they were like, cool. I was like, I love coloring. (laughs) and So she was like, you can come help me Photoshop my, my work. And so I learned editing from her. And then she started taking me on shoots. And the blessing of youth is that you're like, I can do, I could do this. <laughs> now really? I'm like, that was so naive, but my coworker was getting married and she was trying to have the cheapest wedding possible. And I was showing her all these amazing photographers that I thought she should hire. And, um, she was like, how about you do it? And I was like, okay. So I shot it with um, a Nikon D70, like the, oh the d zero, no extra zeros. You guys like yeah. pop up flash, all the rookie mistakes, made them all, started off charging $20 for a photo session because I was like $10 an hour, $10 an hour to shoot for one hour and $10 an hour to edit for one hour. That was my yep. fa- very fancy math. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> and so I started out in weddings, but then transitioned to only doing family work. And now, I mean, the cool stuff is my work has been featured in Oprah and Martha Stewart and Rangefinder Adorama, like many other places, which is really exciting. But it's so great for me to recognize like the past journey and what a journey truly is. So like no matter where you are in your journey, know that it really is that and that th- there's always the best is yet to come. There's always so much more ahead. So like, if you're, <laughs> if you yeah. started out charging any more than $20 for a photo <laughs> session, like you're, you're ahead of me. So we're, we're good on that. Oh my gosh. I
0: um, love, but- I, I love that you shared that. That's so amazing. Well, and the best part is just to see where you've come. Right. So what year was that? Did you say when you were first starting, when you did the wedding? I started,
1: I started my business in 2011. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Yes, that's like uh, you know what 11 years ago, but that's not even that long ago, which is so crazy just to see how far you've come and I think that that's what I love when photographers share is where we all started because we all started somewhere. And I think and maybe you agree with social media and all that, it's so easy for people that are just starting or you know have only been going for a couple of years to compare themselves to these people that have been going for much longer, right? Don't you think that happens?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, and it's it's so key to just run your own race. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then now you also teach photographers. Yeah. So now I have um, a workshop and mastermind and have been doing that for six years now. And I get to teach photographers online and in person all over the world about how to create, you know, images that really speak to their heart instead of just creating Mm -hmm. things that are based on trends or what they feel like clients want. If they feel like they're sort of a slave to, what their clients are asking for and not just only want the Christmas card smiling photos. Right. I help photographers really tap into their inner artist and the move their work forward so that their clients can enjoy the fruits of that too. Because I think a lot of times photographers, um, they do feel like they're that the clients dictate what they can mm-hmm. create. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. Like if you look back at like, how photography has family photography specifically has evolved over like say 1980s, nineties, two thousands to now, like right. the people who decide what, what happens in photography. It's not clients, it's photographers right. first. And back in the day, it was like, you know, the Sears studio photo with like it photoshopped, everybody mm-hmm. smiling, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until people started, like photographers started making work that was different than that, that clients then follow suit. And so I think pho- as photographers, we sometimes forget that it's our job to be the visionaries and it's our job to be the ones that move the, the world forward. Now, And that sounds really grandiose, like photographer, family photographers are the ones who move the world forward. But that is really true because how family is viewed in society and how motherhood and fatherhood and childhood, all of the pieces of family are viewed in society starts with imagery. We've all heard that classic adage of like photos worth a thousand words, but it's, it could not be more true because imagery is so beyond our language comprehension that we are able to discern and embody like different concepts about what it means to be in a family based on imagery. So that's a little pie in the sky for a second, but it, it really is, I think, a good reminder for photographers to remember like how much power they have as an image maker.
0: Well, and, you know, you know, looking to where it is now 2022, it's like with social media and all of the things that we have access to imagery 24 seven, right. Where yeah. back in the day was a little bit different where you just, you know, you had photo books and you had, you know, publications, different things. Right. But now images are in front of us all day long. Right. So we have such the, the power and privilege of being able to showcase things with a certain narrative that I think is so, so important. So I love that you brought that up. And on that note, you do shoot film, which I think is a nostalgia
1: thing in itself.
0: So why do you why do you choose film over digital?
1: I love the process. It helps me feel like I am actually creating something with the click of a shutter and it forces me to be intentional and to slow down. And it also has just technically speaking, the highlight retention on film is my favorite because I could shoot super strong backlight indoors, which I love. That's my favorite type of light Mm -hmm. and not blow the highlights. So it's very emotional for me. It's very visceral. Why I love to shoot film versus digital, wow. but there's also like that test technical aspect. But even though I shoot hundred percent film right now, I also think that there's a lot of like getting married to a medium and that people very quickly are like, I have to be a film photographer or a digital photographer or a, you know, know, like really narrow something down. And I think that's a really great starting point, but I hope that we always like leave room for things to unfold. Like just yesterday I was playing with the digital camera, like, huh, maybe wow. I want to, you know, add some of this back in for like experimentation. So it's it's always open. (laughs) Well, exactly. And I actually have a
0: film camera as well. I think I messaged you back when I was getting one, because I think it's just good to switch things up. Sometimes you're, you know, it challenges you creatively to try something new and it's just, it's just fun to do. I know for me, like when I'm feeling maybe uninspired or something, if I pick up something new and different, that tends to kind of light that spark. Right. So I love that. Before we get into talking about love-soaked photography specifically, I just wanted to to touch on something because I think one of the things that are happening in our industry, and I just think in general feedback I've gotten from some of my students and stuff are that a lot of people kind of struggle with like self-doubt and limiting beliefs when they're first kind of starting photography or starting a business. Is that something that you felt like you've struggled with? Because I know I have personally, but... And then, you know, do you still struggle with that today, even though you are have an established business and you're an educator and someone people learn from, like, do you still have those feelings as well?
1: I think to be human is to have those feelings. And if you don't right. have those feelings, you're probably a psychopath or a sociopath of some sort. So <laughs> It's like, if you're, if you have those, feel if you have those feelings, you just know you're in good company of all the other humans. It's so, right. it's so basic and intrinsic to like our survival you know, in our you know our tribal nature, like we don't need to go into all the evolutionary stuff behind it. Like I think we've right. all heard that at some point. But if you have self doubt, if you're not sure you can do this for whatever in whatever context that is, whether it's like building your business or being creative or like actually creating the images that you see in your head, I love the idea that confidence is just a willingness to be uncomfortable. Yeah, and that has. Restarted me many, many times. The other thing that I love is like every moment is new. We are, (laughs) we're sort of trained to like, and our brains naturally just like to repeat what we've done in the past. So if you're looking down the barrel of, photography and whatever um, growth you want to have in your photography and you're thinking, how can I possibly do that? It's because you've never done it before. That totally makes sense. But if you can just come back to yourself with a gentle like, oh, but I'm willing to be uncomfortable so I can take this one step forward, then I think that's a really good starting point.
0: Yeah. And I think that I love that you said that's just human to feel that way because I think we all feel that way No matter where we're at in our journey, I think, you know, like you said, trying something new, I I notice those feelings kind of come up when I'm putting myself out there a little bit more, right? Like even going to do this podcast, like who's going to listen, is anyone going to listen? Right. But I think what you said is so true. You know, if you're willing to just be uncomfortable and do it. And then now I look back and I'm like, I'm so happy I did this. I've met so many amazing people and hopefully helped people. And I don't really care about the stuff I was worried about right at the end. Yeah. So that's so, so great. And then do you remember, I remember we were doing Yan's workshop and, and when I initially took hers, one of the things that she said that really made an impact on me was, and maybe you can help me finish it. Cause I only can remember kind of the first part was let go of who you think you're supposed to be. And then do you remember what she would always say after that?
1: I don't, was it like embrace who you are or something? Yeah. 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 Something like that. But I remember because
0: at the point when I took her initial workshop, I was transitioning from, you know, being a teacher full time and having this be my side hustle to being wanting it to take it to a full time thing. Right. And so I remember that was a huge pivoting point for me of just an aha of like, I had all these expectations for myself and then just stepping into who I was. And so that was really a big time of self doubt and limiting beliefs. But you know, we all push through, our stories are all so great. And it, and the point is we take action and continue to do, um, that's what's going to push us forward. But I know sometimes it can feel, uh, like debilitating, right. When you have those feelings, but I think, I love what you said that confidence is a willingness to be uncomfortable. I love that. I literally wrote that down, babe. Like I just wrote it down because I love, I love that quote. I'm going to share it with my kids too. Yes. Yes. Okay. So now let's transition to, you know, talking about love, soaps photography. So I know that's a term that you use in your, just, I feel like that's a term that you use in your brand, just kind of in, in your being, I know your podcast that you previously had was called the heartfelt podcast, right? Yeah. Heartful. Mm-hmm. Heartful. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, just that kind of those words just mean something to you. Cause I know you, and you're really intentional about things that you do. You don't, you know, you're not just throwing it out there. There's always, I feel like there's always <laughs> a feeling and thought behind what you do. So when you use those terms, like love soaked family photography in your world, what does what do you mean by that? Just so people have a context, you know, as we reference it through this, throughout this kind of, when we say that, what, you know, what it means.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about beyond just that everybody's standing there smiling photo. I'm talking about really capturing what it means to be in a family. And Love so to me is like all in, you know, in a hundred, like we're in the deep end of family. And you and I know this, there was so many kids and anybody who is in a family knows this, that family life is everything all at once. It's gorgeous and glorious and gutting and like horrifying and yes. hilarious and oh. incredible and I mean nothing will take you on a roller coaster wider and deeper than being in a family. And yeah. so to me, love so family photography is really about speaking to all those aspects. And <laughs> and when I, you know, originally when I would see like family imagery that was so sterile and so just contrived and posed, I felt like it didn't speak to my experience being in a family, both as a child and now as a mother, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's so wild and it's so full of love and it's so just full period. And so where is the imagery? Where are the stories, the visual stories that speak to that? And so that's what I aim to create. And then, Um, in turn, help other photographers create for themselves because that's what we're hungry for. Now that, like you said, we are so image saturated, we're hungrier than ever, I think, for meaning and images that mean something. And so that's what that's what I want to create in my own work and help other photographers create as well.
0: I'm so excited to announce that Art and Heart Photography Academy will be launching again in January, the very end of January, actually. And I cannot wait to welcome another group of students in. But those of you that don't know, Art and Heart Photography Academy is my five-part self-guided online business course for novice and experienced photographers alike. It's complete with a step-by-step roadmap to help you identify your photography business, plan, create soul-centered and meaningful art, and build a sustainable brand. and attract and book dream clients consistently. So basically, if you wanna share art that's true to you, make connections and impact and build reliable income on your own terms, then I have the course for you and I am there to support you every step of the way through live weekly calls and a Facebook group and all the things to help you on your journey to be having a thriving business. So if this interests you in any way, you can join the waitlist at jilliangolding.com backslash art and heart. And yeah, then you won't miss any of the important dates or information. And we have such an amazing group of students and alumni that are there. And we cannot wait to welcome you in to help you get your business thriving. Hope to see you in there. Well, right. And I think, you know, I did my notes here. I had said, like, love soak doesn't mean that it always has to be happy. You know, it can be a range of emotions, like you mentioned. And I think the important thing is really documenting people as they are, you know, and the feelings that they're feeling at that time. But I love, I love that you said it's a roller coaster. Like, and family is such a roller coaster and it can be. And I think as a mother, like, I don't, I don't necessarily want, or I know not even necessarily, I know I don't want to look back at my, you know, family photos or my experience as a mother and, and have it be depicted as perfect and, and like totally posed and amazing because that's not how I really feel as a mother. Right. We go on a roller coaster every single day. Don't you agree?
1: For sure. And a lot of photographers will say like, oh, I just want, you know, I really want to create candid images and I want people to look natural and loving. And natural and loving is not specific enough. Like I really encourage everyone listening to get into your specific story of what it means to be in a family. And Mm -hmm. that can be what it means for you to be a mother What, what does it mean to you to be a daughter, a father, all of those different aspects. And then in relation to each other, what do all those mean? And those stories are imprinted on us very young. And so you can go with the stories that you were given as a child and create from that place. Or the beauty of photography is that you can actually rewrite those stories and make art from a different place and tell a different story than you were handed as a child and it can be really healing and it can also be really explorative like you can explore the whole coaster the whole gamut of everything as a kid growing up my parents had an incredibly like textbook romantic relationship like we Mm -hmm. as kids they dressed us up as waiters for their valentine's day dinner and they both came from hard and abusive childhoods. And so they were very intentional about creating that for us. But Mm -hmm. me with my husband now, we don't have that romantic relationship Mm -hmm. with us. It's different. And so the story that I have with my husband now is different than the story of my parents that was modeled for me. And so I get to navigate and explore all that tension and all of that like question mark that exists between those two different stories, in the very safe and wonderful container of a family session, and that mm-hmm. sounds so. Um, I think it sounds a little self-absorbed. Like I'm using family, yeah. my family sessions to explore all my stuff, but right. it's really the only sustainable art is selfish. And mm-hmm. by that, I don't mean indulgent. When I say that, people think I mean indulgent. Yeah, I no. I'm. I mean self motivated and Mm self-directed and anyone that you admire that has a personal style any artist they their none of their clients came to them and said like oh hey you should do these these photos that um, are on film and maybe some of them are a little bit blurry and there's like all this motion and chaos happening. Yeah. <laughs> like when no. I first started in family <laughs> photography, nobody was asking me to do family portraits, let alone do them on film, do them with like all this emotion, do right. that, like, the way that I'm doing them. Nobody was asking me for that. No. And so you have to really dig deep. Yeah, And it doesn't have to be that you know the end from the beginning. Just start with one small aspect of family story that you would like to explore in your photography?
0: and Well, there. no, I love that. And I think that that's what each of us can do to set ourselves apart, to create unique art that is different from everybody else, right? Because you and I could go into a session and bring our, our stories of our lives and our stories of family and document the same people completely differently because of those experiences. Right. So yeah. I think that's the powerful piece, you know, and I know, you know, this about me with exactly what you shared about yours, you know, my parents having divorced when I was seven and, and not having any sort of family units to my memory, really recollection at all, honestly. And so that's one of the things I love about family photography is being able to then document that love connection, emotion, and like just that family dynamic that I I didn't get to have, right. But I've worked so hard to create for myself. So, you know, again, I'm doing what you're doing and exploring that tension in between the two of, you know, of just documenting people, how they are knowing it's not perfect, but holding on to the the bright moments of, of showing, you know, family love and chaos and joy. Right. So I think sometimes we all go to sessions and, you know, there are times where I'm definitely more intentional than others, depending on my energy and my mood, right. Like we can't be in this mindset, always hundred percent of the time, at least me, maybe you are, but you know, I think the point is always try to capture the emotion and the connection and pull those things out, which is always our goal. Right. So now I I do want to jump into, you know, what do you do before you're going to do a shoot to set yourself up to capture these types of images? Because this is a piece that I feel like is missing with some people. And I distinctly remember you telling me when we, you know, we chatting one time that you do phone calls with everybody. And I remember at the time thinking, holy cow, that's so much time. Why does she do that? Right. But guess who does phone calls now?
1: <laughs> me.
0: Right. Because I see the value in it so much now, but kind of talk about how you, how you prepare yourself to capture the type of images that you're wanting. Cause I, in my opinion, the, the work that we do beforehand is important.
1: Oh, yeah. I think so many times people show up to a family session, they're like, oh my gosh, they feel like it's hijacked. Like they're like, the dad didn't want to be there. Um, The kids were going crazy. Like I just, it just didn't work out the way I hoped. Like you you go in all excited and then you feel like it was hijacked by the family. But what we forget is that it's all about energy. And Mm -hmm. when you come into a family session and you're embodying a certain energy, they're going to give that back to you in some way or another. And they don't give it back to you 100%. But you have to go first. It's so vulnerable to be photographed. It's Mm -hmm. such a vulnerable position. And so I recommend that everybody who – anybody listening needs to get photographed by somebody else, preferably someone that you pay money because a lot of times when you're like trading with another photographer, it's a little bit less pressure, but it's so good to get practice of being in our client's shoes with actually paying the money for a photo session and then seeing how much that changes the way that you show up as a client. And then in turn, how you respond to the energy that a photographer brings. But what i do to prep for for a family session is i count on my prep that i've done all up into this point and i think photographers forget that like they think i have to do some grand like prep plan before every single shoot or else i'm doomed <laughs> and, and we forget that you have every experience not only shooting and photography experience but every life experience that has brought you to the point uh with that family and a really great access point to help you get in the zone and like remember the all of those experiences i think is to have A framework of that story that you're looking for. So many photographers say like, I just want to document people and capture their stories and tell their stories. And when I say the only sustainable art is selfish, I mean, you need to tell your story people don't want you to tell their story because they get confused and they don't know which part it is like are you going to tell the story of the dirty socks on the floor or are you going to tell the story (laughs) yeah are you going to tell the story of like the elation of your your child's birth you know and like those first two hours after they're born and like Uh, you know, uh, all the feelings that you're feeling as you start nursing and like all that, like, they don't know which one you're going to choose. And um, that's why it's so vulnerable. So having a style is simply telling your story in collaboration with your subjects over and over again.
0: Well, I love that. Yes. And that's it. And that's the uniqueness that each of us can bring to do it in our own way, right. To stand out from the masses. Cause I think that, you know, we want to be able to share our story. As far as the clients go, do you have them fill out like a questionnaire? How do you kind of get to know them a little bit to help them feel comfortable when you are actually meeting for the session?
1: Yeah, I have a, I actually have a freebie for all your listeners. Um, you can go and download like a whole audio training about how I prep my clients and, um, they can also download my exact questionnaire. So I think we'll, um give you the link in the show notes. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can, everybody can go download my exact questionnaire and you can feel free to copy and paste it everybody. Like it is not, I don't think it's special. I think that we actually spend way too much time prepping clients or thinking that we need to prep clients. Like, yes, it's important, but there, there are two or three, I think there's three questions in my questionnaire and that's yeah. it. Like you really don't need these novel length questionnaires back and forth. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing like a concept shoot with your families, yes, you do. Right. But if you're able to work in the context that you're given, like if you're choosing the location, for example, mm-hmm. like you don't need this <laughs> lengthy back and forth no. before the session. It, you The prep really should be you. Like yep. if they show up, you know, I, I mean – I've seen it all. I'm sure you've seen it all too, Jillian. But like, you should be able to work with what you got. Yeah, work with what you have, whether they're showing up like totally not ready and you know needing to get dressed as you show up to the home if you're shooting in home or right. if it, like you have limited light, like all those things. Yes, they can be solved ahead of time in prep, but that's why I say it's all about energy because if you come to those problems frazzled, that's going to show up in the images. And I know people listening are like, but how do I stop being frazzled? And the thing that helps me the most is is to honestly just expect things to go wrong. When I stopped, when I stopped expecting that clients would somehow be perfect or like that things would go quote unquote well. And I just started expecting the problems and saying to myself, well, I can handle this. I can handle this. Then I realized how short-lived most of those problems were. Like that right. that's the other beauty of family life is that nothing lasts forever. So kid that's freaking out, it's not going to last forever. Kid no. that doesn't want to be photographed, not going to last forever. And so mm-hmm. when you approach it with that mentality of like, well, I can handle whatever they throw at me and things are going to go wrong. It actually, <laughs> the funny thing is that now when things are going well, I start to get this little panic in my mind, like, oh yeah. no, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> going to be true. What's going to happen? Right? Like,
0: so funny. Well, don't you think being a mother helps with that though? Because I feel like as I've you know with my children and things, I feel like my ability to obviously connect with other people's children and understand that about tantrums and all of that, I feel like being a mother really has benefited me. What do you think?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And- the ability to just be resilient, bounce back, be malleable and let them be malleable too because i mean i don't i don't think i can remember a session where i showed up and mom wasn't stressed at the beginning like totally. she was stressed yeah. at the beginning 98.2% of the time and then you know as we go along then she can melt into a different Energy And same with the kids, same with everybody else. And so if you can just hold a little bit of space for everybody to have their own experience with the session and know that you still can get the imagery that you want, then that's when you can really feel that confidence that all of us want to have. And. So often I think photographers think like, oh, what do I need to do to get them feeling so emotional and feeling so connected and loving and all of that? And mm-hmm. I think that's actually the wrong way to approach it because it just leaves it up to chance. Right. I like to I like to approach it from a visual standpoint. Like, okay, if I if they don't feel loving and connected, because sometimes the you know, the environment of a family shoot is a little bit artificial and it's hard to feel loving and connected when totally. there's like a camera in your face. Right. But I So I'm not going to go through some big, long process to make them feel a certain way when I can just shortcut that and make them look a certain way. And mm-hmm. our bodies lead our minds. So when we're in a certain um, body language or pose or way of being with, say, our partner, then our our minds follow suit. You get a mom just relaxing into her husband and just telling her to close her eyes and take a deep breath in yeah. and let it go. Then she can't help but feel relaxed and loving and all of those things. But even if she doesn't, even if she's she still feels crazy stressed, you have the image that she wants. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think there's just, yeah, I mean, I think there's just a flow to it. And I love how you said. It's so much revolved around energy. And I think that's something that I know I teach my students and you probably do as well is understanding that a lot of times our energy is going to be the thing that makes the engine of the train, right? Like our energy is going to be how dictate and essentially for me, at least how the session goes. I mean, I know when I show up with an energy and I'm really trying to connect with the kids and I'm, you know, happy and playful with them. And then I have serious moments, like we are able to kind of. Ebb and flow, and and just you know, essentially run the session how we want to. I feel like if if we just have that confidence, like you mentioned,
1: yeah. And photographers are so good, so good at reading a room and like picking up what people are putting down. Like you can tell the minute that dad doesn't want to be there or that this kid is not on your side. Right. And so I think that people let them like let that throw them off. And so stop taking the temperature and start setting the temperature. Exactly. Right. And I think
0: as you gain experience, you definitely get better at this. I know I'm obviously much better at this now than I was when I was first starting. Right. But I think that's just part of growth. Um, but I think going into it and doing the things that you and I just talked about is really going to help set yourself up for success. So you did mention shooting in people's homes. Now are you primarily shooting in home sessions, correct?
1: Yeah. I do about half and half right now. because I'm in California. California. Mm -hmm. So if people are coming here from out of town, we most often will do the beach. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. But you're, I mean,
0: honestly, I mean, I love your, your at home sessions. Like for me, that just kind of sums up your work for in my, from my eyes. Right. But because I think that at home sessions are not as easy as people sometimes think. And I think there are a lot of people that are intimidated by them and don't ever want to try them. Don't want to do them. It can be hard to understand how to make that flow and things like that. So can you just kind of talk about, you know, if someone's listening and they're thinking, Oh, I would love to try an at home session, but I just don't know how to even go about that or how I could do it. Like, could you kind of just talk about your flow when you get there or what you do?
1: Yeah. So the first thing that I do when I get there is have them give me a tour because nine times out of 10, well, not nine times out of 10, but a significant amount of time, there's a room with great light that they've shoved a bunch of stuff in and they think that we're not going to shoot in there. And I'm like, okay, we got to clear all this stuff out because this is the room with the best light and just needing to see all of your options before you start in one space. And I think people are often really anxious to get going like they think they need to pose them immediately or else that they don't look professional. But I I take my time without walking around and deciding where I'm gonna set up and start because Mm -hmm. the energy is the highest at that at the time that I arrive. So that's where I'm gonna do the hardest everything the hardest. And that's so I do the whole family all together at the beginning, every single time without fail that's my biggest tip. Don't leave that for later. Don't let dad come in late. Don't let the baby sleep. Like everybody needs to be in the photo at the beginning or else you're toast (laughs) (laughs) because
0: that helps just kind of get everyone involved and just gets it going and sets the scene. Right. And then you can kind of break away and move forward in that. Are you someone who wants to level up your photography game? Well, join me, Jillian, for my exclusive masterclass on January 26th at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or January 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are gonna talk about the five steps that you need to take and grow your soul-centered photography business so you can stop playing small and start pursuing those big dreams that I know you're capable of achieving. This class is going to show you exactly what you need to build a scalable, passionate, photo business that includes way less caffeine fueled nights and way more joy, peace, and freedom. So are you in for this free masterclass? Please join me. You can sign up at jilliangolding.com backslash masterclass 2022, or check in the show notes for a link to grab your spot. I'll see you there. As far as, you know, in-home sessions, why do you, because I know you love them. Why do you love them so much? So like if someone's listening and they're like, I don't even see the value in that. Like, what would you say?
1: Home is the base Mm -hmm. for the most intimate memories and the most um, basic building blocks of the love story of family. And so I have a very romantic connection to that, (laughs) obviously. But there's also this aspect of comfort at home that you can't ever replicate outside. And I actually love using furniture and all the different levels that are afforded to you in a home that you don't have outside
0: right. to create
1: sort of a fantastical world that would never exist in real life. So I'm having people stand on tables or like lie down on the floor or, you know, you can create levels with different, um, you know, a chair and somebody's sitting up on the back uh, end of the chair uh, and then somebody's sitting down on the floor, all of those aspects are again really healing for me because i i spend the bulk of my days as a stay at home mom in my home. Yeah. <laughs> and i don't know if you feel this way but with because i have four kids and one with special needs, we are very home centered meaning we don't go places a lot of time. No, i'm with you. And so um that the aspect of home is not only so meaningful but like using the furniture or whatever the light whatever it is to support this fantasy world that I want to create Mm -hmm. um, really helps me assign a lot of meaning to my own everyday, mundane, day after day, invisible work that I'm doing at home.
0: Well, that's, yes. So perfect. Invisible work. That's the perfect wording for it. And I think for me, like I noticed when I photograph families at home, I feel like there's a Just a calmness about them. You know, Um, I think sometimes when we show up to locations or we go outside, it's fun and playful. And you just, for me, capturing moments at home just feel more intimate and heartfelt. And, you know, it's where they're the most comfortable, right? Hopefully. And that's always our goal is to just kind of show that. And I I love how you said it's just the center and the building block because it, it truly is. And I think one of the biggest objections, and you probably get this too, are. That I wanted to mention is, you know, people will say, well, my house isn't perfect. You know, my, I I don't have it decorated super well. And I, you know, I don't know that it's good enough for photos. Right. But, and I want to have you share what you say, but I always just say, like, that does not matter. Like, we need window light and a blank wall and we're good to go. You know, so what do you say when you have clients share that objection?
1: Yeah. I say the same. You need window light or a door that goes to outside. We're good. And I will often shoot if I don't, cause I do shoot film. And so that creates yes. a lot of constraint for me as far as what kind, how much light I can work with your digital mm-hmm. shooter, you have a little more leeway, but so I'll shoot through windows. I'll shoot outside in a yard or on a porch, um, or that kind of thing. If I have to, if I don't have enough light inside, but I would take that over just a boring, oh, sorry. To say boring, but outdoor location any, any day because of that connection that they have to that space. And, yeah. and also shooting in a home solves a lot of logistical problems. Like kids can get a snack. They can go to the bathroom. They can, you can close the door and like let somebody take a break, you know, all those things that are You're sort of up a creek without a paddle if you're doing all that outdoors, or like you just have to have thought of those things beforehand. Like you don't have to deal with that at home.
0: Yeah, you can just be yourselves, right? And just let it flow how normally it would flow. You touched on this when you mentioned that about shooting at home, but like one of the things I love so much about your work, aside from like showing emotion, just is your composition and the way that you're able to like set up your, you know, your, your families essentially. So, you know, I, I know you talked about standing on tables or, you know, in like shooting in the kitchen or different levels and things. So what's kind of your thought process as you're setting that up? I know you do a lot of hugging and touching, right? Like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, are you kind of envisioning that ahead of time? Are you letting it play out? Just kind of share your thought process, because I know that's probably something either it comes supernatural or something you've kind of taught yourself over time.
1: Yeah. I think it really has to go back to that story of family. So for me, what I mentioned with my parents and their closeness and romance, like that aspect of romance and trying hard with each other is an aspect of family story that's super important to me. And so in posing in a family session, what that means is that I have people's heads touching Mm -hmm. so much because that is the fastest way to create connection visually and it feels weird and it feels awkward and people don't do it <laughs> most like naturally they don't do it um and a lot of times a kid will come between a parent's head like exactly. the two parents heads yeah. and I always try to correct that and um never let their heads be not touching as right. much as I can as much as I can do that because that speaks to what's important to me about being in a family in the story that for me, family is actually parent focused. Like I don't focus on the kids hardly at all. So when you have those, you know, bigger picture, aspects of story, then Mm -hmm. the posing sort of follows suit. And, but you mentioned composition. I do think that is one of the biggest challenges with shooting in home because you're dealing with so many lines. You're dealing with windows and doors and furniture and like things in the background and all of that has to be considered in a composition. But for me, I'm still looking for light first. Um, and then choosing like a, a backdrop that can work with, however many bodies we have <laughs> right yeah. well and i yes and i think that's the most
0: important thing for me too when i'm shooting indoors is light is my priority like hands down and i think people forget that you can move things around right oh, like yeah. move things around um you know get them out of the way i prefer you know minimal like less clutter less stuff anyway right like i'm happy if we have light and you're sitting on the floor and you're just dog piled together you know what i mean mm-hmm. so I think you're the same. And so I think when you're shooting in home, just remembering like light be your priority and then, you know, move stuff around to make it work. No one's going to see when you, you know, all the stuff behind you, right. You're only going to see what's in the frame. So understanding that you can just move that around. But I love what you said, you, your parent focused, and then you add, like, then the family comes next. So when you're shooting, are you kind
1: of setting up the parents first and then you're adding the kids in? I'm always thinking about the parents first. So that doesn't always mean I'm setting up the parents first um, because sometimes like I need them to do other jobs, wrangle kids or whatever it might be. But I'm always thinking first about where they are and what they're going to be doing. And most often it's them interacting with one another and not so much with the kids. And I think when people first hear this, they're like a little bit Taken aback. Like they're like, how, what? Like, what?
0: Wait, what do you mean? But
1: don't
0: you find that the kids end up, the kids always, I don't know about your kids, but my kids always find me. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, they will find me. So I feel like when I photograph, you know, husbands and wives and we're doing photos of just them, it never fails that the kids want to be in the photo too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't have to be, I always just say this though. if mom looks like garbage, the photo should go in the garbage. I think yeah. that many people don't flatter parents, but especially mothers. And luckily I think that's changing more now. But mm-hmm. if you have a photo of where the kid looks amazing and mom is not flattered and she's, you know, got a double chin because you haven't told her to stretch it out or whatever it is, that photo should be cold out, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. No, I agree, and I think that you know I'm so proud of moms that get in the frame, and I I want to be able to you know because not not everyone does right, and it's so important to do. And so I think when I'm shooting, I always think you know I want to be able to showcase the mom and for the quiet work that she does. Yes, obviously the father is important as well, but I think it, as moms, we're often not in the equation when it comes to photos because we're taking them right. And so often I feel initially when we start, my moms are a little bit uncomfortable being in front of the camera at first. And then, you know, as I can see, as the session progresses, they start to get more confidence and feel good. And I think that's because I try to reassure them along the way. And I know you do this because you've photographed me, you know, and just helping them feel good about themselves. And that's what I want them to to feel when they look at the images too. Right. So I think that's so, so important. Okay. So last question, and then we're going to go into the, I do like a lightning round at the end, but. When, Because you're such a feelings person, and I know that you talked about being a tortured artist and things like that. (laughs) So when you feel uninspired in a creative rut, because I mean, we all go through this. It's just how it is,
1: right? Um, How do you get yourself out of that? I really find that the best way is to not try to get myself out of it, (laughs) at least initially. (laughs) Like when I realize, oh, I'm I'm in a rut, I am not feeling this right now. I try to just be a little more tender with myself because I think when I was younger, I would try really hard Mm -hmm. and just immediately fix it. Oh, how can I go to a museum or get a photo book or whatever to get myself inspired again? And now I feel like those things come a little bit further down the line. After I've had a little bit of compassion and awareness for myself, like, oh, okay, it's winter. we're just coming off the holidays. Of course, Mm -hmm. I feel a little bit, you know, not inspired or just whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. reason, just giving yourself a minute to acknowledge why am I burnt out? Is it because you shot, you know, 30 mini sessions in the past month? Like, yeah, that would make sense that you're (laughs) uninspired and in a rut. Like, let's just have a moment of understanding for ourselves before we rush to fix it.
0: Yeah. Before we rush to get, get out of it. Right. And oftentimes I notice when I'm feeling that is when I'm stressed or I I know that I've really exerted myself creatively and my energy is depleted. Right. Yeah. So, you know, knowing to take a break or, you know, everyone just kind of has to figure out what works for them. But I love that you said that. Cause I, I think so many of us are fixers as moms. We tend to be yeah. fixers. Right? We, we want to fix something. We want to make it go away. We want to, okay, what can I do to get out of this? We need to do X, Y, Z, and then I'll be fine. Right. And mean that's just not how it works when you're creating art. I don't feel, you know, no,
1: it has to be, it's seasonal, like anything, it can't be blooms constantly. And I think that the aspects of an online world where you're constantly seeing people's finished creations and you're not seeing everything that led up to that photo, then it can be make you feel like, gosh, I should be constantly creating. I should be, if I'm going to live, you know, this wildly creative life, I should be constantly making stuff. Mm -hmm. But the time that you spend making stuff requires a whole lot of time, not making stuff and input. And, you know, the seed has to be in the ground and receive ample soil and water and sun and all of that before it can grow.
0: Well, right. And I feel like, you know, it just is so much, I don't know about you, but like just the creative process, there's so much that goes into it, like you mentioned. And, and sometimes we're going to have times where we don't feel that we're not up for that, you know, and that's important to know. And, and we can't look at other people. No, one's ever always creating. I mean, and if they are, I'm like, how are you doing that? You know, I get, I just, I get burnt out and exhausted watching people on social media sometimes like, how, how are you making three reels a day? Like how I'm like, I don't even have the capacity. Even if I didn't have kids, I just, you know, and I think they probably do them maybe all at once. I don't even know what they do, but just knowing like, we don't all have to do all the things, right? Like that was a hard hard lesson where I had to really check myself just with our industry and social media. And it's like the next thing we all need to do to book clients. And it's just like, uh, it's never ending, right? Do you feel that way? Or is it just me?
1: I really protect my energy. Yeah. I'm sorry that I keep talking about energy. It makes me sound like a woo-woo. Oh girl,
0: I'm into it. No, you're good.
1: (laughs) But I don't spend a lot of time on social for that exact reason. And it's not that some people can handle it and other people can't it's that um I'm, and i'm talking about time on social media i'm talking right. it, it's that we're not built for that type of consumption and connect like being tethered to that type of input all the time mm-hmm. so it, anybody who's listening who and all of your listeners are who are serious about like making art that is unique to you it really does take a commitment to sit with yourself and to cut out any input that's not serving you.
0: Yeah. And it's such a powerful place to get to that, you know, and when I do that, that's when I can be creative, you know, and I, I'm, I'm just able to think at a different capacity when I'm not constantly having the input of all the other stuff. I don't even know how to explain it except for that. It, it just is overwhelming when you do that. And it's so much healthier for us not to do that. Right? right. Okay. Last thing. So then we're going to go to the lightning round three tips, quick tips for photographers. If they're listening and they want to be able to create the love soaked photography that we're talking about. So if you had, do you have any like three tips that you think quick ones that they could just, you know, remember?
1: <laughs> yes heads touching, touch heads. It's the fastest way to create visual connection to start with the whole family all together every single time, no matter what, forever and ever. Amen. Don't accept any excuse. (laughs) Like I can't impress this. I love that. Enough. And three would be one that I haven't shared yet, which is pretend that you're an improv actor. If a kid is crying, how can you say yes to that? Can you let mom hold and comfort that child? If a kid doesn't want to be in the picture, can you photograph somebody else? That's yes. Mm -hmm. And so imagine that you're an improv actor. Those would be my three. Oh
0: no, that's so good because that gives you an opportunity to just kind of work with whatever's in front of you. You know what I mean? And make the best of it, which I think is also so important. Okay, before we get
1: to the quick lightning round, where can people find you? Yes. So definitely check out that freebie that I have for you all. It's a good one. Um, audio training plus my exact questionnaire. That link will be in the show notes. Um, or you can go to brookschultzphotography.com and you'll see it right there. So yeah, brookshultzphotography.com, and then also brookbschultz.com. You can see all of the goodness for creative people that I um, do there just outside of photography. Specific education, and then I'm also on Instagram at Brooke B Schultz. So that's B R O O K E B S C H U L T Z. That's my Instagram. Good. I'm glad you spelled that. It's good for people to hear. I know it's hard to it's hard to get all those consonants in my last name and my my name has an e, so you just gotta spell it out.
0: (laughs) Spell it out for people. I love that.
1: Okay, so we're gonna do a quick lightning round and. Um, just answer,
0: you know, as you know, what comes to your mind. So what's your favorite lens?
1: I only shoot with the, oh gosh, it's the 75 millimeter 2.8, but it's the equivalent of a fifty millimeter on digital. Okay. Favorite lighting to shoot in? Golden hour. Cool. Okay. And
0: if you could have lunch with anyone, who would it be? Aretha Franklin. Okay. Oh, you knew that right away. Most people have to take a minute. Um, what's your favorite random product that you have bought on Amazon? And no, you can't share your daughter's recent purchase.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for those who don't know, my daughter, Gemma, she has special needs. She has something called Williams syndrome. She's currently obsessed with ordering things sneakily on Amazon. So she's ordering like Marie calendars, pies, and like Aww. iPhones and LOL dolls. It was really great. So my favorite random thing that I've bought on Amazon is uh this is so boring and like really exposes me as somebody in her 30s, but like fragrance-free, totally organic bio-based uh soap, like Perfect. Soap. Hey, that's needed right now. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who's been your biggest mentor in the photography industry, do you think? Um Jan Palmer, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love her. Love her. Okay. Well, this was so fun. I'm so glad we got to reconnect because it's been a while since we were able to chat and I appreciate your insight. You're so great with your words and how you explain things, which I, I love, love. And I loved how much I was able to learn from this as well. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, Jillian, such a treat. Thank you, friend.
0: All right. We'll chat soon. Go find Brooke on Instagram and on her website and we'll chat soon. Bye Brooke. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Fill Your Frame podcast with me, your host, Jillian Golding. Remember, you can always learn more about this podcast and what we talk about by visiting the description notes on whatever app you're listening to today or visiting fillyourframepodcast.com for more information. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Audible. And if you've enjoyed the show today, please leave a review. It helps more people like you find my podcast. And you can also find me on Instagram at fillyourframe underscore podcast and Jillian Golding. We'll chat next time. Bye-bye.